6. Today we'll consider verses 1 through 6. Praise God. Be here on Wednesday night. God's been doing something. How many of you have been here to, uh, for our Revival Wednesday services? Listen, you can't fake that. God is drawing people to his house. We're having Sunday attendance on a Wednesday. Somebody shout on a Wednesday. And if you haven't been to church, these revival services on Wednesday, you are missing, you are depriving yourself of a blessing. You're shooting yourself in your own foot. Get here on Wednesday. Bring your entire family. God's doing something in this house, I'm telling you. Joshua chapter 6, verse 1 through 6. Let's read it together. Ready? Read. A little bit louder. Verse 2. The Lord said to Joshua, what did he say? Verse 3. I'm losing y'all. Come on, 8 o'clock. Verse 4. Also seven priests shall carry seven trumpets of ram's horn before the ark. Then on the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times. And the priests shall blow the trumpets. Verse 5. It shall be that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn... And when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout. And the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people will go up, every man straight ahead. Verse 6, and then we'll pray. So Joshua the son of Nun called the priests and said to them, Take up the ark of the covenant and let seven priests carry seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord. Tonight we're going to take you back to what you learned in Sunday school. We'll consider how the walls of Jericho fall. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Your word is truth. Lord, I pray that you would grant me clarity of mind, precision of speech, and give these your people an ear to hear, a heart to receive, and the grace to apply. Holy Spirit, anoint me and give me strength. Give me grace, Lord, to preach your word like you gave it to me. I pray that your people would be edified, that your name would be glorified. This we pray in Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Be seated, please. The story of the walls of Jericho falling down is obviously found in the book of Joshua, chapter 6. It goes all the way up to verse 27. We won't deal with that. And I know uh, I want to thank Sister Marlene. She, she preached last week, and she did a wonderful job. Amen. Let's give her a God bless. She did a, she did a wonderful job. There are different things that I believe this story, the narrative, teaches us uh, several things in regards to God's grace. Somebody shout God's grace. Now, we know that this narrative in Joshua chapter 6 ultimately uh, is a story about how God would give Israel victory over an enemy that was trying to keep them out of the promised land. I'm going to say that again. Joshua chapter 6, the narrative of Joshua chapter 6 is, is basically a story as to how there was an enemy that was trying to keep God's people out of his promise. I wonder this morning if you have identified the things that are trying to keep you from entering into the promised land. There is always an enemy. There are always going to be things, obstacles that are designed to keep you outside of what God has promised you. Right now, as I speak, everybody here at first service, there are things right now that you are about to encounter that are, that are designed to hinder you or to keep you out of what God has promised you. The issue then for us is being able to recognize the things that keep us out of God's promise and then by faith hear the word of the Lord and obey his mandate. 
there is a relationship always between the grace of God and obedience to God. I'm getting ahead of myself, but I want you to know that this morning. If you don't take anything else away from this teaching, please take this in your heart today. There is always a correlation between the grace of God, unmerited favor, something we can't earn, something we don't deserve. That's the grace of God. There's always a correlation between the grace of God and obedience to God. They work together. That, that relationship is uncompromised. God will always tie the grace of God. God will always tie his favor, his blessing, the things that he does for us with, with something that entails our obedience. You have to understand that there are things that keep us out of the promised land. And one of those things that keeps us out of the promised land is our failure to obey the mandate of God. It's not because God isn't faithful to his promise. It's not because God can't fulfill what he said he would do. It's because we fail to obey the mandate that he set before us. God will give us the grace to conquer. God will give us the grace to enter and possess a land. But he requires, he needs us to obey what he tells us to do. Somebody say amen if you're in the house. Now, by this time, let's get some background. The people of Israel, they had already crossed Jordan, and obviously Jericho is right in front of them. This was the land. Before them was the land that God had promised to Abraham. 500 years before this, God had given them a promise. Some of you think that God's taken a long time with you. Consider Israel. 500 years before they would come. They, they, they finally are standing before the promise that God had given to their forefather Abraham. Wait on the Lord. Somebody shout, wait on the Lord. So here they are. Look at verse 1 now. Uh, Joshua is leading God's people. They, they have crossed over the Jordan, and now Jericho stands before them. Look at verse 1. Let's read together like you're alive. Ready? Read. That means that nobody was able to penetrate the walls of Jericho. Well, let me revise that statement. Nobody but God was able to penetrate the walls of Jericho. Verse 1 says, nobody came in, nobody came out. This, this city was unconquerable. It was fortified. Somebody shouted, it was fortified. Now, I want us, if you know the story, I want, us to consider, uh, to, I want us to consider the strategy. First of all, notice with me, number one, that the strategy was laid out by God himself. In the verses that we read, God would give Joshua the strategy. We don't have time to read it all because uh, Elder Brown was trying to get you all to say amen this morning uh, for a little bit too long. Amen. But consider the strategy here. In the verses that we read, if you look at your Bible, the, the strategy was unique because, first of all, it was laid out by God himself. Let me say this. I love football, but I can't stand the New England Patriots, and I can't stand Bill Belichick. If you don't know who that is, that's the coach of the New England Patriots. I think Tom Brady's a cheater. I think he sold his, his soul to the devil years ago. Y'all ain't helped me in here. I don't care. You can't be that good at football and be married to a lady that looks like that. No, nah, that, you, 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 you sold your soul. I'm a Raider fan. Pray for me. But I want you to know that, th that these teams that go out every week and play week in and week out, except for the Raiders, my team's terrible. But, but there's always a strategy. Notice, first of all, that God was the one that laid out the strategy. Please hear this. God did not require that Joshua lay out a military strategy to conquer Jericho. God will give you a strategy to possess the promise. God is faithful that way to give you a strategy. The issue is, is that it's always going to be a strategy that doesn't make logical sense to you. 
Everybody in this assembly right now thinks that you know, you think, I know you ain't going to say amen to this, but you believe in your heart that you got it figured out. You believe that you have the answers to repairing your marriage. You believe that you have the answers to getting more money in your pocket. But God will always give you a strategy. Joshua and Israel are at Jericho's walls, and God would tell them, this is what you're going to do. You're going to take the horns. You're going to have the high priest carry the ark. They're going to blow the trumpet. All of that, all of that strategy was laid out by God. Secondly, notice this about the strategy. It didn't make any logical sense. God's plan seemed to be a foolish plan. God's plan seemed to be a foolish plan. Give God 10% and he'll, and, 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 and he'll bless me? That sounds foolish. It sounds foolish to you, but that's God's way. Please remember that the book of Isaiah reminds us in the, 55 cha- the 55th chapter, Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9 says, For my thoughts are not, this is just a reminder, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Somebody shout that. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So whatever your strategy is, you have to be sure that you're in line with God's strategy. And let me, let me help you here. It's going to sound foolish to you. At the onset of the year, the Lord said, I want, you to, I want you to have Revival Wednesday. We've never done Revival Wednesdays. And I said, Revival Wednesday? You, you, mean, to tell me that, you mean to tell me during a midweek service that you're going to save the lost, heal the sick, that, that you're going to do a work on a Wednesday? And he said, yeah, on a Wednesday. I said, well, who in the heck has Revival services on a Wednesday? He says, that's none of your business. Who does it? You just do what I tell you to do. And we did it. And look, look how God has responded. Are you here, Abundant Life? Look how God has responded. On a Wednesday, people are getting saved. On a Wednesday, people are testifying. On a Wednesday, we're going to have water baptism. And I believe there's going to be a whole bunch of people getting baptized in water and that are going to come into this assembly. Why? Because we obeyed an illogical instruction. On a Wednesday, he said, just, 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 just announce Revival Wednesday and I'm going to draw them. Are you hearing me? It's not our job. We're not doing any marketing campaigns. We're not, we're not paying for billboard. God is drawing them because, because he just, he's just looking for somebody who will obey his instruction. Even when it seems illogical, what God told Joshua and Israel to do was illogical. It didn't make any sense, but he just wants you to obey what he tells you to do. Somebody shout amen. His thoughts aren't our thoughts. His ways aren't our ways. They're higher as the heavens are higher than the earth, his ways are higher than our ways, and his thoughts are not our thoughts. It's quite a thing for us to have to admit, God, your thoughts are not my thoughts. Sometimes it, is, it isn't always the devil that has you in a mess. Sometimes it's because you went about disobeying God's strategy because you thought it was foolish. We blame the devil for a lot of our messes. And God's up there saying, don't blame him for that. I told you what to do, and you did it your way. You're over here binding them, rebuking the devil, and the devil's like, I ain't had nothing to do with that. That was your bad. You lying devil, and the devil's like, me, you're giving me credit for stuff I didn't even do. God told you what, you, what, what to do, and you disobeyed. Y'all, not one amen in the house, but I know I'm in your neighborhood. God tells you how to be blessed. He tells you how to be prosperous. You don't want to obey him and do what he told you to do? Then you're going re- to reap the consequences. It ain't the church's fault. It ain't the pastor's fault. God tells you what to do. He gives you a strategy, but because it doesn't make sense to you, you disobey. Are you in the house? Now, I want you to know there are some things 
There are some things that, that I believe uh, we can learn here from the narrative of Joshua chapter 6. Number one, the first thing is, notice with me now, that God had already, in verse 2, God had already given the city of Jericho to them before they began to march around. Y- y- y'all ain't catching me today. Look at verse 2 of your Bible. God had already given them the city before they began to march. Grace. Somebody shout Grace. God had already given them the city before they began to march around. What God has promised you, God has promised you, and there ain't a devil in hell that can stop it. I promise you. Now, what is required of us is that we obey his instruction. But God had already, Elder Brown, God had already told, I've given you the city. What do you do when God gives you a promise, but you don't see the promise? What do you do when you can't see over the wall? What do you do when God makes you a promise and gives you an illogical instruction? What do you do when God gives you a promise that seems insurmountable, impossible? What do you do when God says, I've already given you a city, but all you can see is walls? What do you do when God says, I've already given you the city, but there's still walls that keep you out of it? You see, this is how God operates. He gives you a promise, and then he gives you the grace to obey that promise and to walk it out. Now, let me tell you what I would have done. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to confess right now, and I think some of y'all will be right there with me. If God told me, son, I've given you the city, and I walked up to Jericho and saw that fortified city, I promise you that I'd get discouraged, and I'd start to, I'd start to think, how in the world are we going to conquer and take this city with these walls that keep us out of it? I would have been discouraged. It's like when I went to go ask the Methodist church, I said, Han, give me the keys to your building. I didn't say it like that, but I basically told the lady, will you give us your church? Because we need it. That's what I told her. My dad was there with me. I said, well, can, will you give us your, your church that holds 500 people, and y'all only got 50 people up in here? We could use this assembly. We could use this temple. And she's like, we don't have anybody from the neighborhood that comes to this church. And I'm like, well, we do. We'll gladly take it off your hands. Sell it to us. Now, she said no, a big fat no. But that doesn't mean that I stopped believing God for it. I wish y'all were awake here. I said, that doesn't mean that I stopped believing God for it. But what would you do if God said, "Uh, Gary, Gary, I've given you the land. And then you walk up to it, and it's completely shut out. And this doesn't look like God's promise. Let me help you. God's promise seldom looks like God's promise. Until you enter into that promise. <laughs> and this can't be it. Watch, understand that God has already given, God had already given Israel the city. Watch what verse 2 says, because you're looking at me funny. Look, watch, watch, watch what verse 2 says. That's why you can't read the Bible. You've got to read the Bible. Give me verse 2, please. Let's read it out loud. Ready? Read. Wait, everybody. Ready? Read. Somebody say with me, the Lord, come on, shout, the Lord has already given it to me. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, God's already given you the promise. God had already given the city of Jericho to them before they began to march around. Now look at verse 16 again. We're reminded what the word of the Lord is, what the promise of God is. Verse 16, give me verse 16, please, up there. It's about to be on your screen, verse 16. Ready, read. At the seventh time, when the priests blew the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, what? Why? Somebody shout, the Lord has given us a city. 
Oh, man, the Lord has given us a city. Joshua told him, watch it now. Now I want you to shout because the Lord has already given you the city. My God, that's the kind of people that I believe abundant life needs to be. That, this is the kind of people that we need to be. Shout because God has already given us the city. He's already given us a promise. Our job is to believe him and to walk it out. I don't know what God has promised you, but don't ever stop shouting about it because God has already given. God has already given. God has already given you the city. God has already promised you victory. We just have to step into it. Somebody shout hallelujah. God had already given us the city. He's already given us the victory. He's already promised us possession of that land. Secondly, the second thing that we learn, I got to go quick, is that the walls of Jericho fell when the people of God followed the commands of God. The walls of Jericho fell when the people of God followed the commands of God. Now let's look at verse 20, Joshua 6, verse 20. Uh, we're almost done. Now let's read the text now. Ready? Read. Uh-huh. Okay. And? Read that last part. And? One more time, and they took the city. What did God tell them to do? March around the walls. Now, I, I should have I I got a historical picture of what Jericho looked like. I should have done that. I think I'll do it for second service. But, I, but for now, 8 o'clock, use your imagination. These walls were believed to be at least 11 feet high. Listen to this, 11 feet high. And you're like, well, that doesn't seem too much. 14 feet wide. I'm going to say that again. For those of you that are builders, please hear me. 11 feet tall. This is just the first wall. There were different layers. First wall, 11 feet, 11 feet high, 14 feet wide. I can tell you this, you've never seen a wall like that. Donald Trump has no idea what kind of wall that is. Y'all ain't hear me yet. Brother Fabian, you ain't never built a wall like that. Let me tell you right now. 11 feet tall, 14 feet wide. That's just the first layer. God told them to walk around the walls every day for six days. And then on the seventh day, he said, walk around seven times. And on the seventh time, blow the trumpet and shout. If, the, if that isn't, please, please hear me with all reverence. If that isn't the most crazy and illogical military plan I've ever heard in my life. Can you imagine Joshua standing before the people? Put your, I'm glad I'm not Joshua. Can you imagine me gathering y'all stubborn folk from abundant life? Okay, people, this is what we're going to do. We're going to march around six times for six days. And on the seventh day, we're going to march seven times. And then when we finish walking around seven times, we're all just going to shout really loud and blow our trumpets. And God is going to cause these walls to fall down. I know without a shadow of a doubt that three-fourths of y'all might look at me like, I knew, we I, I knew we shouldn't have followed this dude. He's crazy. I knew he was crazy to begin with. Now let me ask you this morning, what has God asked you to do? What instruction has God given you that seems absolutely nonsensical and illogical to your rational mind? 
God is always going to give you what is an, an illogical instruction. Not because it is illogical to him, it's illogical to you. It appears to be crazy to you. But when you are God of all creation, his instruction, hallelujah, his instruction is the key to entering into that promise. He gave you the city. He gives us the promise, and then he, watch it now, and then after he gives us the promise, he says, here's how you get in. We can't shout over the promise. I believe that a school, uh, I, I believe this, I believe that a school, a, a bigger property, these are all things that God has promised to this assembly. But then he gives us an instruction as to how to get in. Even if it appears to be illogical. And let me tell you what your, what your roots are, what our roots are here at this church. A group of people stood on the corner of Grace Baptist Church. That's what this church used to be called when we didn't have any money. We had 10 people in our church. And we stood on the corner of the church sign here. It wasn't even for sale. We didn't even, there wasn't even a for sale sign. We stood on the corner of this street right here and said, God, give us this property. That's illogical. That seems like foolishness. But we did it because God said to do it. And look where we are. Somebody give God praise in this house. Now, now, you're looking at me like, well, Pastor, there's only 30, 40 people at this 8 o'clock service. I know, but all of y'all don't come to the second service. The second service fills up too. And Coachella's going to fill up too. And we're about to start an English service over there. And God's going to do it. And revival's about to come to that city too. I only have 10 of y'all that are believing the promise of God. But I believe revival's going to hit that city too. And we're going to continue to grow. So God's going to meet that need when it's time. God's going to give us that property when it's time. Somebody shout amen like you believe the word of God. But the walls of Jericho, they fell when the people of God followed the commands of God. Obedience. you got to hear this. Please hear this. Obedience. Even when God's commands seem foolish, they bring victory. Number three, take this down. There's an uncompromising relationship between the grace of God, our faith in God, and our obedience to God. They're all tied together. There is an uncompromising relationship between the grace of God. Somebody shout the grace of God. Our faith in God. Somebody say our faith in God. And our obedience to God. They're all tied together. You can't shout about the grace of God and not talk about faith in God. You can't talk about faith in God without talking about obedience to God. Watch what Hebrews chapter 11 verse 30 says. Right from the word of God. Watch what it says. The writer of Hebrews said the following. Ready? Read. Bye. Stop. Only 10 of y'all. Ready? Read. Bye. One more time. Everybody together. Ready? Read. Bye. Somebody shout by faith. Sister Lupe, that's faith. By faith, the walls of Jericho, how they fall, it tells you. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been what? Seven days they walked around the walls and by faith they fell. Somebody shout, by faith they fell. How they fall, by faith. Somebody shout, by faith. By faith they fell. Not by strength or by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. They had faith in the living God, the one true God. They had faith in his word. They had faith in his power, his supernatural power to bring those walls down. God gave them the city. He told Joshua, I've already given you the city. Now walk. Walk. And that's what he's commanded me to do the same. Ronan, I've already given you a promise. Now walk it out. And let me tell you what the church struggles with today. By and large, we get the promise, but we struggle to walk it out. 
We shout over the promise. We celebrate the promise. But we, we, we struggle to walk it out every day. And, and, and in front of insurmountable odds, we struggle to walk it out. God, even though it seems like it's getting darker, and even though it seems like it's getting harder instead of better, I'm going to trust you that I'm going to walk this thing out one day at a time. God expects for us to walk it out. He's given us a great promise. He's given you a great promise. But you must obey. There's always a correlation between the grace of God, our faith in God, and our obedience to God. Don't talk to me about how you have faith in God when you don't obey him. Don't tell me how your faith is in God when you don't obey him. Well, I'm trusting God. Are you? Do you obey what he tells you to do? Don't talk to me about faith in God when there's no obedience to God in your life. Well, I have faith. If you have faith, you're going to obey. Not one amen in the house, but that's okay. It was by faith that those walls fell. Watch what Hebrews chapter 10, verse 36 says. Now, there's a promise, but watch what Hebrews, watch what Hebrews 10 says. Ready? Read. You have need of what? I wish y'all would help me. You have need of what? So that when you have, oh, I wish you read it. So that, you, so that when you have what? Done the will of God, you may what? Oh, don't you love the word of God? I love it. You have need. Somebody shout, I have need. Look at your neighbor and tell, I have need. Come on, stop acting spiritual. Tell them, I have need. What do you have need of? Ready? Endurance. It's all right to confess. I have need of endurance. Why do I need endurance? So that after I've done the will of God, I will receive what? What was promised? I need endurance. You need endurance. Why? Because God knows that in, in the face of the promise, we're going to want to quit. So he says, you have need, the writer of Hebrews says, you have need of endurance. Why do we need endurance? So that you can receive after you do the will of God, so you can receive what he promised you. You want to know what happens to so many saints? They quit on the way to the promise. Ah, they quit on the way to the promise. God gives them a promise, but they have need of what? Endurance, because they quit halfway. And then they have the audacity and the unmitigated God to turn around and blame God and say, God's a liar. I never saw the manifestation of what he promised me. No, God is faithful and true to his word and he's true to his promise. The problem is you needed endurance because you quit right before you were about to possess the promise. Everybody I know that turned their back on God prematurely. In fact, let me say it this way. Everyone who turns their back on God does so prematurely. Anybody who's ever turned their back on God did so prematurely. And let me, I'll take it a step further. When you're most tempted to turn your back on God, you're most close to the promise. I'm going to say that one more time. You're going to be most tempted to turn your back when you're closest to the promise. That's when the enemy turns that heat up a little bit higher and tells you, quit now, quit now, quit now, quit now. Because he knows you're getting closer to that promise. And if you, oh my God, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. And if you're tempted to quit right now, if you're tempted to turn your back on God, it's because you're getting closer to possessing that promise. And that's why some of you are like, man, it just seems like I can't get over that. I don't know who I'm preaching to right now. Some of you feel like every time I get close, every time I get close, every time I get close, it seems like all oh, hell, who am I talking to? All oh, hell breaks out when I feel like I'm getting closer to God and I'm reading and I'm praying. It seems like all oh, hell breaks out that's just your enemy your enemy can sense that you're about to possess the promise he knows that you're about to come on cross that point of no looking back and so that's why all hell breaks loose but my god if you would say lord give me endurance because i know that i'm knocking on that door i believe that the promise is on the other side of this mountain give me endurance lord to keep on keeping on because i've come too far now to turn back help me not to quit in face of the promise God, 
give me endurance to keep believing because I'm going through hell and high water. I want to give up now, but God, I need endurance so that I don't go back. I've come too far to go back now. God, keep me from quitting in this race. Ain't nothing wrong with saying, God, give me endurance because I feel like I'm tired and I'm growing weary and all hell is breaking loose. Son, you're about to possess the promise and your enemy is going to throw everything at you before you cross over that line. And I pray today by the Holy Ghost that he fortify your soul, that he reminds you that the battle gets hot when you're about to possess that promise. Keep on believing God. Somebody shout hallelujah. I need endurance so that after I do the will of God, I might receive what was promised unto me. In Hebrews chapter 6, it goes on and on and on, and they didn't prepare it. But if you, I want you to read Hebrews chapter 6, and it talks about that, leaving the elementary things of the faith, but possessing the promise. Like God, and it talks about how God is faithful, the one who promises faithful to us. This morning, I want to remind you of the widow of Zeropath because some of you are like, well, Pastor, I mean, is this, is, this, is, this, is this consistent with the entirety of the word of God? You bet it is. There's always a correlation between the grace of God, your faith in God, and your obedience to God. Because you know that faith without works is dead. Faith without evidence is dead. James said, watch, watch now, show me your faith, and I'll show you my works. We're not justified by works. But works ultimately verify your faith. Works are never for justification. I'm going to say this. This isn't in the notes. Works are, never for ver- works are never for justification. Works are only for verification. I'm going to say that again. Works are never for justification. Works are only for verification. That's what they do. Your works verify that your faith is legitimate. My God. Some of you, you know what I'm talking about. You can't get into restricted areas without them first verifying that you are who you say you are. Everybody claims to have faith in God, but nobody, nobody wants them to check their ID. Y'all ain't talking to me in here. We need to verify your credentials. You ain't getting into I watched a movie the other day, and it was, a, and it was about some thieves who were going to rob the Federal Reserve. And it was all about falsifying identification, but they knew that they had to go through multiple steps of verification before they, made, before they had access to that money. See, your works are not about justification. Your works are about verification. They're verified that your faith is in God. That's what, that, that's what it's about. Consider the widow at Zarephath, 1 Kings chapter 17. And, I, and, this, and, and maybe this is for seconds here, but I want, I want to read it before you go home. Open it, go with me to 1 Kings chapter 17, quickly. I know I'm over time. I blame Elder Brown for that. I'm going to release everybody but Elder Brown. I'm going to preach to him for the next t- 10 minutes. 1 Kings, go quickly, help me now. 1 Kings, you should have it. 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 10 through 16. Watch it now. Uh, we got to go, but I love this. I, 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 do you love the word of God? I, 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 man, sometimes I feel, and I know Marlene can relate to it, sometimes we get so excited, and I told her the other day in the office, I said, sometimes we get so excited because the word of the Lord comes to us and it ministers to us, and we feel it in our spirit and our soul, and it moves us, and then we preach it to y'all, and we see y'all looking at us like, <laughs> ready? Watch it. I love it. Ready? Read. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, watch prophet Elijah. Behold, a widow was gathering sticks. And he called her and said, hey, please get me a little water in a jar so that I can drink. Watch it. He said, hey, I'm thirsty. Hermanita, tráeme un vasito de agua. Keep reading. Verse 11. As she was going to get it. Wait a minute. When y'all missed that. Notice that she didn't say. Why don't you go get it yourself? And bring me a glass of water. And then it says, as she was going to go get it. 
Okay, I ain't going to message you there. As she was going to go get it, he called her and said, and please bring me a piece of bread while you're at it. Modern day translation, make me a sandwich too. Yeah? Bring me a piece of bread. Ready? But she said, hey, as the Lord your God lives, I ain't got no bread. Sounds like some of y'all today. As the Lord lives, I have no bread. I only have a handful of flour in the bowl and a little bit of oil in the jar. And behold, I'm gathering a few sticks. Ready? Here you is. Now ready, Mo? I, I'm gathering a few sticks that I can go in and prepare for me and my son that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Modern translation. Why are you tripping? Stop that. No temas. Don't fear. Go. Do as you've said. Ready? But make me a little cake. Make me a cake from it first. Bring it out to me. And afterward, you may make one for yourself and your son. Y'all ain't hearing me. We're just gonna, I'm just going to, this is our last meal. We're going to die. Okay, that's all right. Okay. But before you die, make me a cake first. Y'all ain't talking to me here. Before you die, make me a cake first. Wow. Didn't you hear me say I was going to die? Me and my son, we're going to die. Gary, we're going to die. He said, okay, okay, that's cool. You're going to make me a cake first before you die? <laughs> Ready? 14. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bowl of flour shall not be exhausted, nor shall the jar of oil be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain on the face of the earth. Background of the text, a famine had hit the land and there was no, there wasn't going to be any rain on that land by the word of God himself. And the prophet comes to the, to the widow at Zarephath and says, hey, I know, I know the land is in a famine. My God, some, this is a word for somebody. I know the land is in a famine right now, but God will sustain you through the famine. And while everybody else lacks, your oil will never run out. So he wants, watch what he says. So she went and complained that the preacher had the audacity to ask her for the last meal. That's what it says, right, Kenny? She went and complained about how the preacher had the nerve to ask a poor lady like herself to go ahead and make him a cake. That's what she did, right, Brother Kenny? Is that what your Bible says? Huh? She went on Facebook and talked about how that church asked her for her last five. Huh? She went on Instagram and posted the preacher how he has the gall, the nerve to say, make him a cake first. She went and did according to the word of Elijah. You didn't hear what I said. She went and did according to the word of Elijah. God, give us some people like that. She went and did according to the word of Elijah, and she, help me read, and she and her household. Y'all, y'all ain't hearing that. And she and her household. Let me help you here. When you obey the word of the Lord, you're not the only one that's going to benefit. Here's a word. Ready? Here it is. Everyone connected to you is going to reap from your obedience. Let me put it to you this way. Your, your, your sons and your grandbabies, they're all going to partake of that blessing. You want to know why? Because you obey the command of the Lord. That helps me obey the Lord. You want to know why? Because I have two babies that are following me. And guess what? And when my obedience, I know that my obedience is going to affect them. 
I wish you'd hear this. So she went and did according to the word of Elijah. And she and her and what? She and he and her. Wait a minute. She and. Wait a minute. She and he. You ain't hearing. She and he. She was going to make a cake for, her, for she and he. The son and her, right? But the Bible says she and he and. What did she tell the prophet? Me and my son. But who benefited? She and he. They ate for what? Somebody shout many days. Verse 16, we got to go. The bowl of flour. Nor did the jar of oil, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke through Elijah. Every, Junior, come. Every day that she dipped into that bowl of flour, every day that she dipped into it, it would supernaturally replenish itself. It's like getting a famous star, and then as soon as you eat that one, there's another one right there. It's an endless supply of chicken nuggets. My God, I wish you'd hear me. Every time she dipped into that flour, it was an endless supply. Elijah's instruction to her was what? You, we're we going to die. You want me to make you a cake? That's illogical. That don't make no sense. I know, but it's gone. All that woman had to do was what? All she had to do was what? Somebody shall obey. Churches don't like words like this because you want, you want me to preach grace without obedience. You want the promise without the process. You want to receive without enduring. Let me, let me, that sounds hard. I'm like that too. I want the promise without the process. I want to receive without enduring. I need to endure if I want to receive. I need to obey if I want to obtain. Ah, Lord help us. I need to obey before I obtain. Obey the Lord. Pastor, it just doesn't make sense to me. But I tell you, no, it's God. Everybody stand.